You didn't treat someone as a statistic. That is a model of modern medicine where everyone is treated as a blob, because when you can treat people as blobs, you can try to figure out how to want, you want to control them and observe them. So the essence of even Western medicine starting in 2003 with the creation of feel like systems biology said we need to go to personalized and precision medicine. That means the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Welcome to this brief and special episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm your host Simland and our guest today is Dr. Shiva Ayajurai. Dr. Shiva is an Indian-American scientist, engineer and entrepreneur. He holds four degrees from MIT, including a PhD in biological engineering and systems biology. He's also considered to be the inventor of email. So he's a really smart guy who's been recently speaking up about the current crisis. Me and Dr. Shiva are going to talk about how the immune system works, as well as herd immunity. We're not giving any medical advice, but we just discuss the science. Dr. Shiva is also running for Senate in Massachusetts. So if you want to support him, then head over to shivaforsenate.com. That's with the number four, shivaforsenate.com. Well, yeah, like my first question is, um, yeah, based on like the kind of a globality of the situation. Like, uh, like I said, I'm from Estonia and we had like a similar response uh, as, as the States because, you know, America is more of like a role model for the rest of the world uh, when it comes to these sort of things. And every, every, everything is in, in lockdown. Most businesses are closed and people are self-isolating. So obviously you can't really apply the same kind of uh, uh, pattern or same treatment to all these localized places across the world as well. So how would you apply the same idea of individualized medicine to these individual communities and uh, countries and uh, cities? Yeah, so Seem, uh, by the way, Seem, what do you do for a living? What's your training in? Um, I, I, I have an anthropology degree, but uh, my okay. kind of uh, profession is a writer and uh, social media and uh, that sort of thing. Okay, great. Well, well, it's really great to have you. I mean, particularly from a, another country, you know, which, is, which many people in the, in the United States don't have a chance. So I'm very, very pleased to have Seem here. So the question is, you know, how do we actually apply personalized medicine, you know, precision medicine? Some of you may know that my entire training, uh, since I was a kid, you know, observing traditional systems of Indian medicine and modern medicine, has always been in the field of personalized and precision medicine. In traditional systems of medicine, you know, for example, Siddha, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, each person was not treated as the same. You didn't treat someone as a statistic. That is a model of modern medicine where everyone is treated as a blob, because when you can treat people as blobs, you can try to figure out how to want, you want to control them and observe them. Mm -hmm. So the essence of even Western medicine starting in 2003 with the creation of feel like systems biology said we need to go to personalized and precision medicine. That means the right medicine for the right person at the right time. So um, one of the technologies I created, Cytosolve allows you to do that, but fundamentally in public health, that's not applied right, in public health, which involves the health of all people, it's a very interesting field, it's still one size fits all medicine. So that's what we've seen, be it Estonia or the United States, the WHO, let's think about that, they're the ones who control most of the public health policies through the CDCs of equivalents of local countries, and the head of the uh, 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 WHO Tedros is very closely aligned with the Chinese Communist Party. The future head, the past head was a member of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, what is the Chinese Communist Party about? Top-down medicine. A few set of people 
treat all their people like a factory. Everyone's a factory worker and, and you don't give people personalized attention. It's top-down medicine. So the WHO is about top-down medicine. So if you see the policy, we're going to lock down everyone. Forget you're a healthy human being and you take care of yourself. You have a strong immune system. No, you're also socially isolated. Then you're also taking people critically ill. You're not giving them differential medicine. who are going into the ventilators. You're not giving them vitamin C. Everyone just gets this protocol. If this, put them on a ventilator. Forget the fact that their body is undergoing a cytokine storm. They have pre-existing conditions and you're sending high pressure down into their lungs and basically destroying their lungs. So, that, so that's an example. I don't know if Estonia, they should be taking that critically ill people and giving them at least, for God's sake, it's not going to hurt them, high dose pharmaceutical load. I mean, I mean it's out there, vitamin C. And then, the, and then the last part of this is you take the people who are immunocompromised and you support them in a different way. Fine. You know, if you want to quarantine them, support them, but they need to beef up their immune system. So in the letter I wrote to President Trump, people, if they want to see it, it's up on, you know, uh, shivaforsenate.com. You can go up there. It's a letter I wrote to him. And it's a, it's a very short letter, about three or four pages. And it lays out this plan, which I put out on March 23rd. And it basically exposes the fact that the WHO and people like Fauci have no interest in personalized precision medicine. And whenever people in, in 2020 don't care about treating the individual as a human being, you know that they have another agenda. And that agenda is like Procter & Gamble or the cigarette companies to sell everyone the same thing because they want to reduce their cost of marketing, their cost of goods, their cost of sales. It's much more hard for them to say, you know, Asim gets a different medicine than Shiva gets, than, you know, Jennifer gets. But, but that is what medicine is supposed to be about, Asim, because ultimately, um, you know, we're a very complex system. To say that you're going to mandate it top down is antithesis of health. It's the antithesis of public health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, everyone is just, you know, this, everyone has their own number and it's like a one big mass of people put into the same box. Uh, but what about how would you apply the same mentality to, to like the economy in a way? How would you kind of gradually open up different parts of a country mm -hmm. or, a, or a state for that matter? Right. So the question that, that Seem is asking is a great question. Is how do you really open up the economy again in a way? First of all, I think that the issue you're bringing up is you have immune health, which is the health of our bodies. And if you think about economic health, which is the health of a country or an organism as a, overall, in both of these cases, we overreacted. The immune system for the people who actually get sick, the very small percentage of people, it's not the virus is killing them. It's the overreaction of a weakened immune system. In the case of the economy, I think we should all recognize globally that particularly the United States has been printing money for a long time since 2007. I'm not sure how it is in Estonia. I, I believe Estonia has a really, really great innovation uh, environment that they're building. Some of the stuff I've been reading. Yeah, been a little bit. We're, we're very like high tech and uh, internet and uh, every, 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 everything right. is online. But uh, we, I think we do have like, we, we don't have like that big of a like depth and burden, but uh, it's still, it's uh, like every country has a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so, so the bottom line is when it comes to the economy, you know, I, I, I've been getting a bunch of calls from economists, very senior level people, some in the government, some externally. They said, Shiva, thank you so much for those videos because a guy like Fauci, the health policy has been leading economic policy. And in fact, the economists, be it in your country, the United States, are being told, don't worry, we're going to quarantine everyone and you will have to come up with printing money, essentially. 
to fill it in. So the first thing I think that needs to happen, the, the first agenda is we need to get back all these small business owners. We're, I, I don't know in Estonia, but in the United States, they're really the fuel of the economy. These people, 22 million people in the United States have applied for unemployment claims. This is devastating. And you know they get a $1,200 check. This is nothing. Meanwhile, $6 trillion got sent over to Wall Street and the big bankers to try to fuel and keep up the stock market. And a, a, a significant amount of that cash went to China, okay, which was building up its dollar reserve. So the first thing, in my opinion, that needs to be done is we need to focus on working people and the small business people. And to bring them out in the economy, it is connected to immune health. I would say support them. This is an opportunity for people to understand the body. Support them with vitamin D. Give them vitamin A. Teach them about vitamin C. Because what is going to happen six months from now? Same. Are we going to do this again? Yeah again and is this a trial run to put a gun to all of our heads saying we will crash your economy again everyone get mandated medicine so i think the first thing that needs to be happen is as a part of taking those everyday working people who are healthy teach them about immune health how do you boost up the immune system so when they're out there next time the, the focus from an economic standpoint is not about our vaccines going to come down or big pharma it is how we support immune health and there's a lot of great and that will help the economy. There's a lot of great alternative medicine people. There's a lot of great chiropractors, medical healers who've been always shunned, like they're, they're useless. You know, biohackers, right, who are starting to understand how the body works. The technology that I created out of MIT Cytosol is basically a platform for biohacking. So if we start focusing on immune health, we're gonna create a whole nother economy, probably a whole new innovation, a renaissance. That's what we should do, and we need to destroy big pharma because big pharma and big medicine and big hospitals do not give a damn about our immune health. They want to, in fact, destroy our immune health and impose mandated medicine. So I would say part of this economic health is to have an amazing resurgence of supporting all these local you know, uh, people who actually want to support the immune health of the body. So yeah. that, and then put those workers back, back. The immunocompromised, look, many of those people, we need to start a whole educational model in the world about why is there in the United States, the United States has the lowest longevity rate in the Western world, the highest infant mortality rate, 30%, you know, obesity. Let's use this as a part of the economy to start teaching people how your health is directly connected to the econ economic health. Because if you grow the number of immunocompromised people, forget COVID, the next flu, we're going to have more people ill, the next flu and the next flu. As people get unhealthier and unhealthier and unhealthier, what fundamentally is going to happen is we're going to have the hospital infrastructure won't be able to handle it. And the hospital infrastructure itself is completely corrupt. The part of the economic health is in your hospitals, be it in Estonia or Europe and other countries, we need to eliminate all these middlemen. And part of it is we need to create economic incentives to support the medical doctor at the one-on-one -on -one level, out of the big hospitals, back to one-on-one -on -one health. Mm -hmm. We'll take one more question. Um, see, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, wanted, I, wanted to kinda, I wanted to get your thoughts about the herd immunity because, like you alluded, the kind of the, the different viruses as well as this one can potentially come back uh, like next year. And what are, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to shut down the economy again? Like, that's that's like yeah, economic suicide. So, uh, like, how do is the herd immunity strategy like a better way of going about it? Like Sweden is doing it at the moment. And uh, in a way, it can kind of increase the overall resiliency of the population. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great question. Brilliant question. So what uh, Seem just asked is, 
One is vaccination, the other is herd immunity, okay? Which is what we were supposed to do in the natural world. So to just be clear on this, what we're talking about is, if you take a population of a thousand people, let's say you have a small set of them, a hundred people who are immunocompromised, right? Obese, or they have, they're undergoing blood transfusion. I mean, sincerely, they have immune problems. Let's say a very small percentage, about let's say 10% of that population. The notion of vaccinations came about in a very weird way. It said in order to protect that 10%, we need to immunize a certain portion of the other 900 people, okay? Just follow this very carefully. So in order to build herd immunity, it was a wrong way of doing herd immunity, okay? They purposely misused the term. So they said in order to protect these 10% of people as though they were the compassionate people, et cetera, we need to immunize the other 900 people, okay? And they came up with a percentage of what portion of that 900 people needed to be immunized for different vaccines, for different, you know, a virus vaccine, so different viruses. So for example, measles, it started at 70% of that 900 people, which would have been 630. Then it went up to that wasn't working, 75, then 80, then 90. Now it's 95%. So what they're saying is out of that 900 people, at least about, you know, 900 people need to be immunized or, or eight, eight, about 810 people or more to protect the 10%. Okay? So just get this argument. Does that follow? So in order to, yeah. so this is their argument of herd immunity, but it's through vaccines. And that vaccine is something that is not going through your innate immune system. It's not natural. It's subverting your innate immune system, going right into your bloodstream. That means your macrophages, your neutrophils, all these other very important things, which are in your eyes, your nose, ears, how if I sneezed on you, you would get them. You're subverting that. And the notion is, oh, if you generate antibodies, you're okay. Well, it's total bullshit. Because as someone who studies the immune system, who gave the lecture at the National Science Foundation where I laid out the real science of the immune system, you've just short-circuited something. You're not following the orchestration of nature's biological models. What you're doing is you're short-circuiting it and then you're telling it's equivalent. It's, it's a false equivalence. Mm -hmm. Now, if we really, so, so the model is in order to protect that 10%, we're gonna have to vaccinate all these people and then let's say some of them get injured and they become immunocompromised. Well, now the 100 may go to 200, 300. So over time, the whole model breaks down because you're going to have more and more people immunocompromised and more and more of the healthy people having to get all vaccinated. Right. The traditional model, if you look at most med medical systems, was when a virus came, whether it was for animals, like in the village where I grew up in, if the animal got you know, some virus, they immediately had it sneeze and they gave it to everyone else because for economic reasons, because you didn't want little by little by little, you wanted all of it to be orchestrated. In fact, in traditional systems of medicine, if someone got virus, they would take the pus and they would shoot it up people's nose. Now, that is a natural way of getting it. Exposure, you know, I grew up where we had chicken pox, measles parties, and we also know that when you expose yourself to these, probably these viruses we're supposed to get, your body turns on many other genes through the interferon system. So the notion of a virus being bad and fear-mongering is what they've created. When in fact, these viruses and things are supposed to boost our immune system, we're supposed to play in the dirt, we're supposed to have a natural lifestyle. So what Sweden did was they said, screw you, they went to a different model. And that is basically saying, we may take a little hit, but you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna build our resilience. Mm -hmm. 
And you have to understand, George Washington's troops in the United States, when they knew smallpox was coming, they, he actually exposed everyone to smallpox openly through a technique called variolation, where they did a slight abrasion and was brought to the United States by a African slave. And then they exposed people to the whole virus. There was no uh, adjuvants and uh, aluminum, et cetera. So the opportunity is why aren't we exposing everyone and boosting our immune system? That is called a resilient approach. That's called an engineering systems approach because nature has created a very resilient body. Now, the MDs, they're not qualified to even talk about this. I am because I've, you know, I'm a systems biologist. We study the whole system. MDs study little pieces. You as a biohacker study it as a system. And that's what we need to recognize that the medical school training education is completely incompetent at understanding the immune system. They're not qualified. So anyone out there thinking MDs know what they're talking about, and before you ask me if I have qualifications, you should ask, does the MD have a qualification? Because they do not study the body as a system. Engineers study the body as a system. The ankle bone's connected to the foot bone. So I think the opportunity here, uh, seeing the question you're asking, is how do you build resilience? From a systems perspective, what people will understand is that all systems in nature, man-made or natural systems, have an important property called resilience. Resilience is being able to take a hit and coming back stronger. That's what a strong system is. Now, if we're creating weaker and weaker and weaker systems, we're creating a very weakened society. Hmm. So the issue is, do we want to create strong systems? Truth, freedom, and health strength, right? Yeah. That's why, you know, our entire campaign, you know, as I started doing these videos, Seaman, that's why you got interest in others is, it's really promoting a much more of a global message, which is right up on our website, truth, freedom, and health. That you have to have freedom to have open discourse to get to real science. And from real science, truth, we can really find out how our body works. And from that, we can create strong people and systems so we can fight for our rights. And what they want to do is they want to weaken our systems. And the vaccination model, it has the right potential idea, which is to expose, but the way it's being done is essentially outsourcing this to big pharma hmm. why don't we outsource this to ourselves and give medical freedom to everyone yeah, yeah anyway see i hope that was yeah, you have one yeah. more question no it's it's uh, literally like just uh, trying to fix something in the short term uh but you know the problem is that the viruses can evolve and then you have to kind of get another vaccine etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's exactly kind of and that's, that's a wonderful model <laughs> that's, that's a business, business plan yeah 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 so you you hit something very very interesting look every business uh you know i'm an entrepreneur every time i've started a business uh, the, one of the best ways that you can look at the, the value of a business is what's called the recurring revenue stream, yeah. okay? Gillette, the shaving companies have the recurring revenue model, right? They not only want to sell you, they, if they, they don't want to create a razor that lasts forever. So they sell you the, the razor and then they sell you blades. And those are very profitable businesses because now they got you hooked, <laughs> right? Well, suppose the business model was that you weaken your immune system, and every year a new virus comes and now you've scared people. That's what they've done. That's why we need to break over the fear with real science. Now you have a model where you scare the shit out of everyone and even quote unquote intelligent people using fake science and all of them are gonna think, oh my God, I gotta get vaccines. Oh my God, my child. By the way, it, how many under 20 year old people even died from this? Zero, near zero, it's minuscule. So now you've scared children, you've, you've created a fear environment so unfortunately, people may say, yeah, okay, Seen, uh, please 
here's my passport, stamp the vaccine card on me, it's okay. That's when fascism begins. And that's what they're teeing up for. This is, we're in the beta phase. We did alpha, which was their event 201. This is beta and Bill Gates knows about this. And then they're gonna go to gold. Gold phase is where we all are carrying on an immunity card or some medical card. Hmm. Anyway, Seema, I appreciate your time. Yeah, and, thank uh, you as well. Thank you as yeah, well for your work. Just, and uh, just tell everyone who's out there, Seem, Seem, what's your last name? Land, like. Uh, Land, and, and the name of your podcast again is? Uh, you can find it on YouTube, uh, Seem Lund. Seem Lund. So everyone who goes to Seem Lund, look up um, Seem's podcast, but he's a biohacker. He's from Estonia. But it was very nice having you, Seem. Thank yeah, you, you for joining us. It was and, a real uh, all, the, all the best. All the best. <laughs> Okay, good. Be the light. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. All right, that's it. If you want to support Dr. Shiva, then head over to shivaforsenate.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.